Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Take a deep breath in, everybody. Take a deep breath out. You made it to the All-Star break. And now you get to sit back, relax, not worry about fantasy basketball for a couple of days. Cruising, man. It's easy street. I'll tell you exactly why my show opening rant here. You don't want to make a move until we get closer to the end of the All-Star break. And the big reason there is that players come back healthy after the All-Star break, some of them, and some don't. And a lot of what we're looking at right now is injury stream-related. We made it through the trade deadline. We had our, our key pickups there. One of them is hurt already. Curse you, Colin Sexton. But now we're back into a stretch where at least over the last week or so, most of what we're dealing with is who's filling in for who. Yes, we're not that far away from the time when we're going to start to look at at the the pivot teams. And what I mean by that are the clubs that are kind of hanging on right now, which Largely the Eastern Conference, actually. The Western Conference, the hanger-ons are right now the Lakers, the Blazers, and the Jazz. I could talk about the Thunder, too, in case they kind of go the wrong direction. But, you know, I think you have a pretty good feel for what a lot of these teams are. The Jazz are trending down. The Blazers are trending down. The Lakers are actually probably going to trend up a little bit. But regardless, that's such a dogfight for that 10 slot out West. And you know the Lakers are not about to throw in the towel. I honestly don't know if there's a team in the Western Conference that's going to go into shutdown mode early. The most likely among all those teams at the bottom would be the Jazz because they've been moving pieces away. They've been leaning a little bit harder into youth. We know they're not as good without Mike Conley. He's gone now. They're definitely not going to be as good without Colin Sexton. That team is just extremely thin at the moment. Now we'll see how they look coming out of the All-Star break, but... Again, you're talking about a team that would have to go on a a pronounced slide to not be within striking distance, even on, like, the last week of the season. Forget last two weeks or whatever you're worried about for your fantasy playoffs. Eastern Conference, there might be a couple of clubs there. Uh, The Bulls are in free fall right now. They've lost six games in a row, and a lot of them to teams that they should be beating. The Pacers, they did win their last ballgame, but that's because they played the free-falling Bulls. The Magic don't really have any direction to pivot. The Hornets and Pistons, uh, we already kind of know what they're up to. You're going to start to see Charlotte players getting rest days, I think, a little bit more often. But there, to me, there isn't going to be this like magical changing of the guard in teams that are kind of already in tank mode. But if you're looking at kind of from a bottom-up sort of perspective, the Hornets... You could make an argument that maybe as the season goes, if you start to see LaMelo rest days or more Rozier rest days, Dennis Smith Jr.'s looked good. I don't think you see much more rest stuff out of the Magic. They're sort of too good to go for the bottom at this point. The Pacers, uh, at some point, might kind of pull their horses, so to speak. 
So maybe you see Miles Turner get some rest days mixed in, which would give you an Isaiah Jackson route. The Bulls, to me, may be the most interesting of all of those teams. You know, I don't know how long it's going to take them to fully embrace the fact that they're just not a good team anymore. We're not when they're basically without Lonzo Ball. Did the world realize that he was so critical to what they were? I mean, we had the under on them this year, so I feel like we kind of got a head start on that. But that's a team, and honestly, Bulls, Pacers, Hornets probably are the three teams I would look at between now and silly season and say, you know what, who could pop up as a legitimate rest-of-season acquisition as opposed to just, you know, who might fill in for an injured player? Because in that instance, the injured player might just be out either indefinitely or intermittently or whatever. So for a team like the Bulls, maybe you keep your eye on Alex Caruso, Patrick Williams. We've seen those guys step up a little bit lately. We talked about the Pacers. What if Halliburton gets some games off? I don't know that he will. TJ McConnell has stepped up in those days. Isaiah Jackson is an interesting backup. For the Hornets, Dennis Smith Jr. is an interesting backup. We're already seeing some of the other young guys. Does Kelly Oubre come back for that team? I think he does. Oubre strikes me as a guy that just wants to be out there playing. So that's the next wave if you were kind of doing the look ahead, but we're not there yet. And that's why in this All-Star break, I strongly recommend holding on to your weekly moves until we get news on what dudes are back and what dudes aren't on the other side of the All-Star break. There are a lot. There are quite a few, actually, kind of important dudes that are out right now. Best way to figure that out is just to, like, go to a league page and sort by current ranking. Kevin Durant, not far from coming back on the other side of the All-Star break. I think he won't be quite ready, but it'll be close. Steph, I know they said they're going to hope to have him back after the break. I don't think they're going to. Larry Markinen, is he going to play after the break? I'm inclined to think yes. Cat, no. OG, I have no idea. DeMar, maybe, probably. Jalen Brown, probably. Gary Trent, I don't know. Tyler Hero, don't know. Devin Vassell, don't know. Jamal Murray, I'm going to say probably. Mitchell Robinson, doubtful. Jeremy Grant, probably. Zion, no. Rozier, I'm going to think yes. The list goes on and on and on. All these guys that you're sort of bouncing. Giannis, I don't know. Simons, no. Nurk, meh. Aaron Gordon, I have no idea. Bobby Portis, maybe. This is all inside the top 100. Trey Jones, uh. Kevin Porter Jr., maybe. Doubtful. Kyle Lowry, doubtful. So why make a move now when... How many names did I just say? 20? Half of those guys might come back, half not? Can't be blowing roster moves like that. Now, if you're on the Roto side, again, if you don't have a roster moves cap, which I know some of you are, I know we have a little bit of a more Roto-leaning listener base here on this show because I, I do talk about stuff kind of in that context for the most part. But even then, you're guessing on which reserve to stash coming out of the break. We're getting all that stuff next week. Don't worry. We're also going to talk about uh, the old man squad next week. I want to do a little bit of a check-in on that. 
strategic elements as a lot of leagues head towards the fantasy playoffs, which I think for a, most Yahoo leagues are still like three weeks away, but, you know, coming down the pike. But let's do yesterday's boxes. That's, I mean, that's the main thing we're doing on today's show. Uh, also going to get into all-star betting towards the end of the program for those that are so inclined. Do wonder what the Giannis wrist sprain does to any of that stuff. But anyway, uh, welcome to, by the way, Fantasy NBA Today, recorded only here on this Friday edition. Same story on Monday. I'll remind you guys that at the end of the show, Mondays is going to be recorded only, and it's going to be coming in the evening time because I'll be traveling during the midday, but we're going to keep the streak alive. I am Dan Bespris, still, yes, after all these years, still crazy. At D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. I hope you'll hang out with me over on social media. If anybody happens to be listening today for the first time, also go and subscribe to our YouTube page, youtube.com slash sportsethos. Picking up steam over there. Cleared 3,000 subs. I know it's small. Small potatoes over on YouTube. But we're going to be a medium-sized potato at some time. Milwaukee beat Chicago without most of their guys. I mean, this is... Come on, Bulls. I know the Bulls didn't have a few of their dudes also, but... Times are sad right now for Chicago Bulls fans. They are... They are bad these days. Milwaukee got 33 out of Brooke Lopez. Monster game from Brolo. You guys know I always... My heart sings its heart song when Brooke Lopez has a big ball game. He's really been something else. Brolo is number 16 by totals this year. He's been pretty durable, so that's helped. And But overall, I mean, how do you argue? Number 29 on the season? That's crazy. This dude was drafted at like 130. One of the biggest hits of the fantasy season. Very happy he was on the tail end of our old man squad. Phew. Anywho. Uh, Javon Carter had a big ball game. He ended up... I don't know how big it would have been. If Giannis didn't leave uh, at the end of the first quarter with a wrist sprain, uh, but then he was the dude who, who kind of stepped into the bigger role. I thought Grayson Allen would have a better fill-in game. Uh, I thought Joe Ingles would have a better fill-in game. It just didn't turn out that way. And you're always kind of rolling the dice a little bit with your Bucks fill-ins. But Chris Middleton also sat this one out, just kind of knee maintenance stuff. That's how sad the Bulls are right now, that the Bucks were like, you know, Chris... This isn't a back-to-back, but how'd you like to extend your All-Star break by an extra couple of days? Milton, I'm sure, was like, you know, I don't know. They were like, yeah, sit. We got this. Javon Carter's got this. Uh, with Middleton likely back on the other side of the break, I assume back, because, you know, I who knows? Teams are so cryptic with injuries. I, I'm assuming this was just a hangout day for Middleton, but no find out next by the middle of next week. Uh, most of these fringe guys won't be as relevant, and plus you might see Connaughton back, and you might see Portis back. This is going to be an annoying box score recap show, by the way, because every time we see something, I'm going to be like, yeah, you probably don't need to do anything with that for a week. Patrick Williams had a nice game for the Bulls. It's something to watch should Chicago start to pull the plug on anybody, but again, I feel like we're still a solid four or more weeks away from that. Zach Levine was bad, Vooch was fine. Uh, but they're going to need those dudes to be better than that if they want to win. Uh, Dalen Terry had a nice fill-in ball game, uh, so another guy to kind of keep an eye on for super deep leagues if, indeed, they start to pull the plug on stuff. 
Kobe White got 14 shots. That's probably the thing you're checking in on more so than the results. As he's another guy, if DeMar and Caruso are out, or if, you know, Levine and DeMar or whatever, uh, he's you know, a couple slots away. And right now you can see he's, from a usage standpoint, that generally would have been enough. But he shot the ball terribly, and then no threes and no defensive stats, which, you know, he's not great at those things, but typically something will materialize. But again, don't need to do anything about it until next week. Washington at Minnesota. This one I actually thought had something we can use for our our uh, data bucket right now, which is that the Wizards are going full hot hand. Now that Kuzma's back and playing his 34, 35 minutes of ball game and chewing up those minutes that were seemingly being split by Daniel Gafford and Denny Avdia, now you're seeing that a bunch of guys are kind of eating from the same trough so to speak. And then in this ball game yesterday, Delon Wright was the guy who was eating more efficiently, so he got to eat more. The bad metaphor, it went too far. Uh, but the point is, Delon got 29 minutes, Daniel Gafford only got 19, Denny Avdia only got 24. I think what we're seeing here, and you you got to read between the lines a little bit, is that there will be games where they need Avdia as more of a glue guy. There'll be games where they need Gafford as the big man to go impose himself in a certain way, perhaps on the rebound, whatever it happens to be. There'll be games where they need DeLon Wright to be a defensive menace to opposing guards, which is how this one turned out. DeLon was a plus 25 in a game the Wizards won by eight. So, of course, he got extra minutes. If he's playing that well, he's going to see extra minutes. And he's been on a little bit of kind of a mini heater lately, DeLon has. So, no, my takeaway from this game is not that you have to go add DeLon right. If you do, I don't have any real problem with that. He's a steals monster. He's a nine-cat gem when he actually plays legitimate minutes. But there's a very real possibility that in the next ball game, Washington needs more size or more wing presence. And then you get either Gafford or Avdia seeing the uptick in minutes. I mean, we saw Corey Kispert play 32 minutes here because he was part of a unit that was winning its time on the court. So between now, Wright, Gafford, Avdia, Kispert, Kendrick Nunn, Monte Morris, those guys are all kind of splitting a bucket of basically two spots on the floor where Kuzma, Porzingis, and Beal are obviously going to get starters minutes. And then everybody else is scraping for whatever they can get from the other two positions, the other 96 minutes effectively, and, you know, handful of backup minutes at those three other ones. Unfortunately, that means there isn't a clear pickup, but it does mean that guys like Avdia and Gafford move much closer to being drops. On the other side, it was really nice to see Kyle Anderson slow-mo play 31 minutes, 18, 5, and 8, two steals, great percentages. God, I love a good slow-mo game. There are a few things to me more satisfying than a good Kyle Anderson fantasy game. Ah, it's so satisfying. So satisfying. The fact that he's not, like, universally rostered is a travesty. He's obviously a 12-team guy. That's if it doesn't even make any sense. Who's number 88 on a per-game basis this year, I believe? Well, I can dig this up. Where the hell are you, slow-mo? 88, yeah. 
He's been great. And that's in 26 minutes. So that's, you know, some games where he got hurt, early season cat games. That's all mixed in together. If you're looking at basically just since Cat went down, which I think is, oh, shoot, almost three months now. Yeesh, dude. A little warm in here, didn't it? Uh, Slow-mo's number 74 in 28 minutes. His stuff just goes up right in lockstep with how many minutes he's playing. It's number 61 over the last two months. How is this guy not on... How is this guy not universally rostered? Over those two months, he's at 10 points, 5 boards, 5 assists, 2.2 defensive stats, a 3-pointer, 53% from the field, and a very slight negative, 76% of the free throw line. And only 1.3 turnovers somehow. Great assist to turnover ratio. Love me some slow-mo. Make sure he didn't just... Make sure somebody didn't drop him with his little sore back thing going on. He shouldn't be on wires. There's just, there's absolutely no reason. It's a travesty. Travesty, I say. Otherwise, no real news uh, out of Minnesota. I know Mike Conley had a bad ball game, but a couple people asked if they should drop Mike Conley after one bad game. What the hell's wrong with all of you people? One bad game? Didn't he have, like, almost a double-double in his previous one with a couple steals and a couple threes or something like that? God, come on. Starting point guard playing 33 minutes in the NBA. You're not dropping him from one bad game. Get out of here with that crap. Then a story, by the way, a story on Conley came out that he had said, like, look, I haven't really slept, like, a full night's rest in, like, a week and a half. He said he didn't sleep leading up to the trade deadline because he knew he was going to get moved and he was, the anticipation was too crazy. And then he did get traded. And he had to pack up his life and go to a new place, learn a new team, try to learn all the new plays where everybody... I mean, there are a few guys in the NBA that are going to enjoy the All-Star break more than Michael Conley. Clippers beat the Suns 116-107. That's the last game on a three-game docket. Terrence Mann had a big one. He played 35 minutes and shot 10 out of 12. Guys, I know, I know he's had a good couple of weeks here, a good one week or whatever it is. We know enough about Terrence Mann's fantasy profile to know that he needs maximum, maximum playing time to hit value. And if you're like, Dan, he's inside the top 100 over the last three weeks, I'd be like, yes, you are absolutely right. While shooting 56% from the field and 88% at the free throw line. It's not that I don't like Terrence Mann or think that he's not a decent fit for what the Clippers are doing. I just don't believe he's going to shoot 58% full term. Because he doesn't. God, I, I, someone asked me the other day if I had seen Yahoo's new player pages, and I hadn't yet. They hadn't, the, the cache hadn't refreshed on my computer. Now I have, and they are awful. What the hell, Yahoo? They took out like half of the stats on player pages. Anywho, Terrence Mann is shooting 52% from the field this year, which is a career high, uh, while making a three-pointer. His free throws over his career is 78%, so, you know, almost 90 over the last three weeks. You think that's coming back down? You know damn well it's coming back down. He's shooting way the hell over his head. So you have to understand, and this is kind of what we did with Josh Green, there's... You take the good, you take the bad. Yes, you can play him while he's on a heater if you want, but understand that that doesn't make him a rest-of-season play when a guy is super hot for two weeks. We're better at fantasy than that. We're better. 
Evita Zubat still holding off Mason Plumley for now. He got 29 minutes and double-doubled. Plumley actually had an okay ball game, but 18 minutes isn't going to be enough for him. Honestly, I don't know if 29 minutes is going to be enough for Zoo, but you got to hold on because, again, starting NBA center, you just, you're not going to find one of those guys just hanging out on the wire right now, playing almost 30 minutes of ball game. Eric Gordon got 26 minutes off the bench. You're going to see him getting snapped up in a bunch of spots, and then you're going to see him getting dropped in a bunch of spots because the Clippers are going to play the dude that's having the better ball game. Between Eric Gordon, Bones, Batum, Marcus Morris, all of those guys are all in play for effectively one to one and a half roster slots. If you thought Terrence Mann had a bad ball game at some point, would he start to lose out? I think the answer is probably. But as long as he's running warm right now, his job is locked in. And honestly, if Marcus Morris was having a better ball game, he probably would have picked up most of those minutes. Or Batum, he's been cold lately, so his minutes are a little down. Eric Gordon had a really good ball game. Rob Covington is floating around in the ether somewhere. Also a possibility to mysteriously show up. So no, I'm not adding Eric Gordon outside of deeper points leagues. We know that his fantasy game doesn't translate that great to 9-cat, but you know Eric Gordon getting 8-10 to 10 shots on a points league side, he probably plays in 14 points and deeper. Josh Okogie, still rolling. I think as long as Kevin Durant is out, you can probably keep Okogie in your streaming lineups. Does he likely lose out on a lot of what he's doing when Kevin Durant checks in? Yeah. I mean, KD's a usage monster, as he should be. He's probably the best scorer in the NBA right now. So, uh, Devin Booker, he'll do less. I can't believe Terrence Ross got 17 shots here. And just chucking away. T. Ross, not bashful. Maybe the nerves took over a little bit on that one. But, you know, we haven't heard that KD's necessarily going to be ready for the first game out of the break. It seems like maybe it'll take him another week or so to get acclimated and get the conditioning back up. You could probably run a Kogi out there for that week. And then I don't know that I would pre-drop him because it does feel like he's taken that last starting slot. I just... I. I don't think that there will ever be a game between KD's return and the end of the year where Okogi gets 16 shots up. How the hell could that ever happen again? He took as many shots as Booker, because Booker wasn't shooting all that great. Will there be a game where Booker, Ayton, KD are all like collectively not all playing all that great, and then Okogi's like, don't worry guys, I got this. I doubt it. But if you got him on your roster, hold him through the break, because it doesn't sound, again, like KD's going to be ready for the first game back. And, frankly, if you're on the Roto side and you've been hesitant, you could probably just stick him in your last roster slot and see what the Suns look like coming out of the All-Star break. see no reason. There's no real downside to that, other than if you had to drop someone of interesting value. Aw, oh, no look-ahead. No fantasy look-ahead. What are we going to do with ourselves? Oh, I know. And now that all that fantasy stuff is taking a nap, a little six-day nap or whatever this thing is, back on uh, Thursday of next week? Yeah, back on Thursday of next week. Now that the fantasy stuff is taking a little nap, we're going to sojourn to the land of NBA All-Star Weekend. A silly place, but a place where we can maybe have a little fun with sports betting and uh, not get too carried away with stuff. But 
uh, let's just let's dive in. Let's look at a couple of things going on over the weekend. The All Star Game itself, uh, which is actually a pick'em right now. Um, most websites uh, don't even have a spread on it. It's just minus one ten or minus one fifteen to bet on either Team Giannis or Team LeBron. And I think with something like this, you're just looking at which team has the player that's has some sort of like weird underlying motivation. Uh, and I don't know which that is, frankly. Um, oftentimes it's the older guy. Sometimes it's the young guy who's maybe feels like they've been slighted. So like you could look at Giannis who maybe feels like he's been passed over for MVP or if there's a team with Embiid where he feels like he's been passed over for MVP lately for Nikola Jokic, who by the way is probably still my MVP. Uh, that's where you find it. So maybe we'll figure something out about that on social media uh, when the dust settles. And honestly, I think you can probably know more about that like the morning of. You don't always know these players' motivation going into the day, but you can get a feel for it on All-Star Saturday. I I think that's kind of what you're looking for there. Is there a player who feels like perhaps they've been slighted by something or is just so manic... Because, like, that was a Kobe thing. Someone's so manic that they just have to win no matter what's going on. Because there are a lot of guys that are in these games that are not going to take it seriously at all. You just got to find the team that has the one dude that's taking it seriously, and then you're pretty much golden. Because it's that first guy that plays defense, and then his team gets a little leg up. Plus, they got the Elam ending, so you got that to worry about as well. I think it's more fun to bet on All-Star Saturday. Call me crazy, but All-Star Saturday. You've got the Rising Stars Tournament, uh, which I think that actually might be tonight, right? Isn't that on Friday night? No. Is that earlier? And I have no idea. We're going to skip right over this one. I have no idea. None. Uh, I wouldn't bother, honestly. Skills competition. You've got the Team Jazz, which is uh, Jordan Clarkson, Walker Kessler, and Colin Sexton. You've got Team Rookies, which is Paolo Boncaro, Jaden Ivey, and Jabari Smith Jr. And then you've got Team Antetokounmpo, which is Giannis, Thanasis, and Alex. Uh, They are the betting massive underdogs because, uh, well, the Jazz and the Rookies have three NBA players, and Team Giannis has effectively one and change. Uh, But, uh, you know, you never know. Something like that happens. Do you think... Which team is the most balanced among them? It's probably the rookies. Uh, Well, Sexton's hurt now, so I actually didn't hear who got the fill-in nod for him on Team Jazz. So Colin's not there. It's going to be somebody else from the Jazz. I I haven't heard yet who it's going to be. I'm recording this late on Thursday night, so that's probably why uh, I haven't gotten that piece of information in. I would lean Team Rookies at plus 130. I think there's a little bit of value there as an underdog play, but only a small one. Team Jazz is the betting favorite because they have... Well, Clarkson, who's, you know, and then it's the home team on top of everything else. I don't think I could bet Team Antetokounmpo. I I mean, they'll be having fun. But if you're looking at this one and you're thinking, you know, how does this thing shake itself out? You're probably looking at Team Rookies because you have three players on that team that can do a little bit of a few different things. Not that Paulo or Ivy are all that great at shooting, and we've seen Smith isn't that great at shooting this year either when he's being guarded by NBA players. But they're young, they're fast, they don't have, like, 
You know, the Jazz have a lumbering ox out there. Team Antetokounmpo has some guys that probably aren't as good as the other ones, so that's where I'd lean on that. But look, you guys didn't come here to have me tell you about the skills challenge. You didn't come here to have me tell you about the Rising Stars tournament. You guys want to know who is going to win the three-point contest and who's going to win the dunk contest. By the way, as of right now, there's still a prop available, because it hasn't happened on TNT yet, for the first overall pick for the All-Star game. Luka Doncic, by the way, is the, the betting favorite there. But let's look at the dunk contest first. Right now, K.J. Martin is at plus 350. Mac McClung went surging up to minus 110. Jericho Sims is at plus 325. And Trey Murphy is at plus 375. Uh... There's not a whole lot of value here because I think the feel is that McClung's going to be the guy who's been toiling in anonymity and is going to have the most to prove and also uh, has sweet hops. I haven't seen Trey Murphy do the emphatic, like, tear the rim down type of dunks. And sometimes you, you need that stuff. You need that flair in the dunk contest. I'm not going Jericho Sims. I think, frankly, too big to do some of the stuff that you need to do to get recognized in the dunk contest. I think I would narrow this thing down to KJ Martin at plus 350 as the underdog play, uh, or you go betting favorite with McClung, but there isn't a whole lot of value there. So I feel like I would lean KJ Martin, or if you wanted to like split a unit of KJ and Trey Murphy and hope that one of the underdogs hits, that's not Jericho Sims. Um, but, you know, it's funny, like... the. People wonder what happened to the dunk contest. You've got multiple players in it that casual fans have never heard of. So they're just not going to care as much. A casual fan might not have heard of any of these guys. We know at least three of them as NBA caliber players. Now, this is a little bit crazy. Do we? How much can we really get into this thing? And... You can bet your butt that the reason that McClung is minus 110 is actually, I call him a betting favorite, but he's pretty much even odds for this thing, against the field, is about as favorite as a favorite can get in the dunk contest. And that's terrifying. You don't want to bet that, and you don't really like the underdogs. But again, if you wanted to sprinkle like 5 or 10 bucks on, uh, on KJ Martin, I, I don't think I would hurt you for it. Now the three-point contest. Uh, Julius Randle just got inserted for Anthony Simons, who uh, was diagnosed with a grade two uh, ankle sprain, so he's out for three to six weeks. And Randle is a very weird addition to this ballgame because he's not a good three-point shooter. He takes and makes a lot of them, but that doesn't make him good at it. That makes him willing to try. Buddy Heald is a very good shooter. Dame is a good shooter. I would argue that uh, Larry Markkinen's been pretty awesome in recent memory. Uh, Halliburton is super efficient. Herder's been a little up and down, having a decent season from three, but I, I wouldn't call him a world beater. And then Tyler Hero, uh, who, you know, he missed the two games leading into the All-Star break. I don't think he's been officially eliminated yet, but we may or may not see him... Uh for this ball game. For now, he's still technically in there. So, Buddy Heald, the betting favorite, Dame right behind him. There's no surprise there. Those are the guys that you know can get lava hot from downtown, and that's why they are... That's why their odds are lower. 
That's why you can't get as neat a price on them. And it's why those are probably two of the guys that are going to make round two on this thing. So what you're looking for here is which two of the other guys do you think have a shot to make it to that second group? And I would say Markinen at plus 600 is really interesting. You know, we saw big man win it last year in Carl Anthony Towns. I know people are like, oh, well, you don't have, they don't have to lose, use their legs as much. So they can uh, hold on to energy a little bit longer. There's also an order to this that we don't know right now what order the players are going to be shooting in. You don't want a player to make the second round and then immediately have to turn around and shoot again. That would blow up the whole thing. So I have no idea. Like, if Markkinen goes last in the first round and he makes it to the second round, then has to go first, then that blows the whole thing up in our face. But if you took one unit and you spread it across four names in this one, Markkinen would be one of them. We know Tatum can get really hot, uh, but I don't think I'm going Tatum. Just percentages-wise, he hasn't been as good as some of the other guys on the list this year. And then I like... Well, you have to like Dame, because Dame is Dame. You have to like Buddy, and I know it's not that fun to put a quarter unit each on the two uh, slimmest odds of the bunch. I don't think I like Tyler Hero here if he's really playing with an injury, or maybe he gets tapped out. So then it's coming down to Kevin Herter or Tyrese Halliburton, and I just feel like Halliburton's going to handle the lights better. Maybe that's not fair. He just seems like a more clutch basketball player, and you need a little bit of that, like, no-pucker attitude when the lights are all on you. You are alone, and you're hucking threes. He's got a weird shot, but it's kind of a set shot, so I, I sort of like that. Like, it's easier for him to load up. Even if his release is kind of slow, he doesn't have to do the big takeoff. So I'm going to corner you to a piece of Buddy Heel Dame for the two favorites, and then my slightly longer odds, Tyrese Halliburton and Lowry Markkinen for the three-point contest on NBA All-Star Weekend. I'll try to get some thoughts out on Twitter this weekend as we learn a little bit more about uh, who I think might have that extra motivation for the actual All-Star game. Once we know the teams that everybody's on, then we can actually start to look at uh, a possible All-Star game MVP because those things would be sort of like a correlated situation. Whoever you think is the super motivated guy, you could bet MVP and you could potentially take their side. Or whichever one you're getting better odds on, I guess. That would probably be MVP. Ah, well. Um, have a wonderful weekend, everybody. Want to give you all a uh, really... Uh, make sure you're listening to this thing, okay? Monday's a holiday. I will be traveling back on Monday from out of town. So the pod on Monday, which is going to be an all-star weekend recap show, and it'll probably only be 15 or 20 minutes long, will be coming Monday evening. We are not going to break the streak. Not no way. Not no how. Yes, I also have a horse of a different color. But it's going to be at night. So Monday's show is going to be in the evening, and then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, those will go back to more of the kind of traditional outline as we go through... We'll do a little redux, season redux to this point. I definitely want to go through Dan Vesper's old man squad and figure out how things are going because uh, my teams are, are destroying for the most part, which means I hope that yours are generally too, but I guess I can't know. And frankly, I kind of want to know. I would love to know how your teams are doing because I feel like this year we've had really good advice on the show 
better than last year. Maybe pretty kind of equal, sadly, to the year. The damn last year was ended in 2022. There's two weird COVID. Yeah, there were kind of like two weird COVID years where things were real up and down. I had like some really, really good teams and some truly awful ones blended. But like, I feel like the actual COVID year, 1920, was the last time we were truly destroying our opponents. And I think it's happening again this year. But I only know from looking at my own squads, and I hope that means that you guys got uh, a lot of the same guys I did. And I would love to hear about it. So if you're, things are going well for you or poorly, whatever, hit me up over the weekend at Dan Vespers on Twitter. Enjoy the All-Star festivities. Enjoy the holiday weekend. I will talk to you all Monday night. There will not be a YouTube show on Monday. We'll be back on YouTube uh, on Tuesday. Make sure to follow us over there. YouTube.com slash Sports Ethos at Dan Vespers. Myself on Twitter at Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter. The best damn news feed on planet Earth. We'll see you in a couple of days, everybody. So long for now. 